0: You know, life is all about what we focus on. You know, you can focus on all the things that we can't do. You can focus on what everyone's saying. You can focus on whatever's on all the networks, no matter what network you choose. Whatever's on, it's probably not encouraging, no matter what network you watch. So all the information that's out there, sometimes if we get too much information, you get paralyzed. You look at too many different things, you get paralyzed. So really what life is about is it's about what you focus on. What are you focusing on today? If you focus on fear, if you focus on what we can't do, if you focus on what we don't have, you're going to get depressed and things are not going to go well. So today we need to choose to focus on what God says. Choose to focus on what we can do. Make the most of whatever it is that we have the opportunity to do. Instead of focusing on all the negative, we can focus on, hey, what is God doing in the midst of all this? We can make the most out of our situation. Whatever we find to do, do it all for the glory of God. We can, whatever our hands find to do, do all that with all your power. for, for Do it with all your might as unto the Lord. With all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Go ahead. Today, we, we look back, and today I look back at this building and where we're sitting right now, and there was a day when we were in the process of deciding whether to build this building, and what the timing was going to be and i remember going into pastor duane's office this is probably 1991 i went into pastor duane's office and i said i just can't wait till we get into that building we need to get in that building so we can grow we need to get into that building construction needs to start we gotta go we gotta go i was pushing and i remember this is many years ago he looked at me and he said relax Just make the most of what we have. It's actually to our benefit that we aren't in the building yet. It's actually to our benefit because we can be better prepared once we get in because we have this time of downtime in the meantime. So you can make the most and, and have a benefit of whatever it is, whatever you find in your situation, there could be a silver lining to that situation. You don't have to worry about... You don't have to waste today wishing for tomorrow.
1: Yeah, that's so good, not wasting today and wishing for tomorrow. See, God wants us to redeem the time that we have right now at our disposal. He's not asking us whether, he's not asking us what we could do in the future or far out. He's saying, what can you do right now? What can you do right now? What's at your disposal? How can you redeem the time for the days are evil How can you redeem this time? What could you do? Could you reach out to somebody? Could you text or call somebody that you haven't talked to in a long time and start up a conversation about the Lord? Could you gather a bunch of friends on a Zoom hangout or on a Bible for a Bible study through FaceTime? Could you maybe do like an online worship session or connect with friends? from different areas of your life that you wouldn't normally connect with. God's asking us, God's not asking us what we can't do. He's asking us, what can we do in this time? What can we do in this time? When it seems like there's not much going on. When it seems like, man, maybe I can't really do that much. See, in 2 Chronicles chapter 29, the Israelites were in a kind of a similar situation that we're in. There wasn't much going on in the Israelite community during this time. People were going to to and fro, but there wasn't really a a heart that was turned towards the Lord. But then King Hezekiah had something to do with it. And in chapter 29, he reinstates the covenant between the Israelites and God. And he opens up the temple back again. He opens the temple wide open. He opens up animal sacrifices so that the people can get right with God. And because there was so many people bringing all of these sacrifices to the temple, the priests had to be prepared for it. And this is what it says in verse 34 of chapter 29 in 2 Chronicles. It says, but the priests were too few so that they could not skin all of the burnt offerings. Therefore, their brethren, the Levites, helped them until the work was ended and until the other priests had sanctified themselves for the levites were more diligent in sanctifying themselves than the priests so we see here that in a time when it didn't really matter in a time when in a secret time when it didn't really matter the the levites were preparing themselves they were diligent in preparing themselves for the work of the lord but the priests they, they were slack in their preparation. They, they didn't really pay attention to all of the ordinances that the Lord had instated in order to sacrifice and facilitate a sacrifice unto the Lord. And therefore, when the time came, when the game was on, they weren't ready for it because they didn't prepare when it seemingly didn't matter. And this, I think, applies to the time that we're in. How are we preparing during this time when it seems like there's not much going on? Are we being diligent like the Levites? Are we being diligent and preparing so that when things do open up, that we're ready to go? Or are we being slack and saying, man, you know, it's just a quarantine. It's an excuse. I'll pick up when it's over. I would, I would challenge us and I would encourage us to be in this preparation. So we continue in verse 35 of 2 Chronicles. It says... Also, the burnt offerings were in abundance with the fat for the peace offerings and with the drink offerings for for every burnt offering. So the service of the house of the Lord was set in order. In verse 36 says, then Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced that God had prepared the people since the events took place so suddenly. So in the secret time, in the secret time when there were, priests and the Levites weren't called to perform that is when God was preparing the people and I think that's the same thing that's going on right now God is preparing a people he's preparing us and are we joining with the Lord in this season of preparation that is the question so now you might be sitting there you might be watching online and you're saying all right Jared that sounds great but how in the world do I prepare? Like, I'm not a priest. I'm not about to go sacrifice an animal to the Lord. Like, how do I prepare? How do I sanctify myself in this season? And I believe that one way that we can prepare ourselves is by setting our minds on things above. Like it says in Colossians 3, setting our minds on the word of God and delighting in his truths. So, now you might be saying again, okay, it sounds very eloquent, you know, very good, but how, how do I do that? How do I set my mind on things above? And that is what my dad and I hope to do for the, the time that we have remaining. We hope to model that for you today. So with our, the remaining time, we're going to give an example of what it could look like for you to prepare in this unique season of quarantine. We're going to go through a chapter of scripture and pull out some key truths that apply to our situation today. And in doing so, we believe that you'll be filled with peace and hope as you go throughout this week. So we're going to share some points, how we can prepare ourselves during this quarantine. And to do so, we're going to study the book of Psalms or the chapter of Psalms 37. So if you have a Bible available, grab it, open it up, Psalms 37. And my dad's going to start us off here in verse one.
0: Before the quarantine started, we were meditating, um, myself and, and others. The Lord had put Psalm 91 on our hearts way back when. And in particular, Psalm 91, it says, No evil shall come nigh your dwelling, and no plague can come near your dwelling no evil shall come near you nor nor any plague come near your dwelling now if anything's a plague the coronavirus covid-19 is definitely a plague a worldwide plague but you know the bible says it shall not come near your dwelling we can stand on that and that was one of the verses that we stood on right from the beginning and and it wasn't just us it was people all over the world psalm 91 was the most searched scripture in the in the earlier uh, weeks of this pandemic, and now what's been going on the last few weeks, and the thing where where we've been meditating for the last few weeks with my wife and I and and our family is in Psalm 37. So we're gonna go through some of the points of Psalm 37 right now. It's it's we're gonna kind of go back and forth here with Psalm 37, verse one. It says, "Do not fret." because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they, shall be, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither like the green herb. Now it says, don't fret because of evildoers. And, and I'm not going to assign uh, who's the evildoers or what's going on. Let's just say that the virus is the evildoer. Um, so the devil is the evildoer, and we're going to not fret because of what he's doing in the world today. Um, we, we can't worry about it because you, if when you worry about things you can't control, you just get filled with anxiety and it doesn't help anyone. So don't fret because of evildoers, which just simply means don't worry we be anxious for nothing, it says in Philippians, but in everything with prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all under all human understanding, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So first of all, don't fret. Don't let all the news, and, and I would say just to everyone, whatever, whatever news media or anything that you watch, Practice the habit of turning off the media on a regular basis because it's just repeating the same things over and over. And if you're not careful, you'll get filled with anxiety. It's going to be hard to not fret if you don't, if you just watch the media all the time. So I would say turn off the media, turn on your Bible, get alone with God, turn on some worship music, and receive the peace of God. So do not fret is the first point. Jared? Yeah.
1: So we continue in verse Three, verse three and four, it says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. So in light of verse one and two, it says, do not fret, do not worry. But then we get a positive statement here. We say, it says, trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. That trusting in the Lord, the psalmist writes here, it's not just a mental ascent. It's not just, check, check the box, all right, I have trusted the Lord today, I am good. Like, he says, trust in the Lord and do good. Put legs to your trust. Trust is proven by the actions, the risk that you take in trusting the Lord. So trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. I love the language that David uses here when he writes feeding on his faithfulness. We can literally feed our spirits by recounting the faithfulness of the Lord in our lives. And so as you go throughout this week, as we go throughout our days, remember the ways that the Lord has been faithful to you. Remember the the ways that the Lord's been faithful to you. Feed on those things. Remember the testimonies of the Lord's provision in your life. Remember the testimonies of how the Lord healed you. How the Lord comforted you. Remember those testimonies. And you will feed your spirit by doing so. Psalms 42 verse 6 it says, My soul, David writes again, and he says, My soul was downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan. David's soul was in turmoil. He was maybe even, maybe even depressed. And what did he do in that situation? He remembered how the Lord had been faithful to him before. And in doing so, he was able to feed and build up his spirit in the Lord. So feeding on the Lord's faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. Verse 5.
0: Verse five, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Again, do not fret because of him who prospers in the way because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass cease from anger, forsake wrath, do not fret. Again, it only causes harm. So first of all, commit your way to the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. It's just make a decision before it happens how you're going to respond. You commit. It's like doing a budget. You commit your funds to certain things so that when impulses come up and you want to buy something, you've already made that decision. And when temptations come, you've already made that decision. You commit your way to the Lord. Today, I will walk in peace. That's a way to commit your way to the Lord. Today, I will hear his voice. And if I hear his voice, I will obey his voice and his leading. So we trust also in him. And then we trust him that he's going to bring it to pass. You make the decision before the crisis happens. He shall bring forth your righteousness as a light and your justice as noonday. That God is a just God. He will watch over us. He watches over his word to perform it. And then we can rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. He's made us many promises. We've talked about a few of them today. That we can rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. We don't need to fret because someone else seems to be getting ahead of us or someone else seems to be making more progress than us because the man because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass so all the conspiracy theories and the things that we might think people are scheming behind the scenes and this is going to happen or that's going to happen we've got to not fret because of those things cease from anger and forsake wrath for for it only causes harm we can't worry about things that we can't control now we can pray about them but praying means casting your cares upon the lord rolling them over on the lord we cast our cares on the lord and then we don't worry about it because we give it to him and we cease from anger because anger the anger of man does not produce the righteous life that God desires from us. Nothing good happens when you get angry. If you, if you lose your temper, you lose your cool, nobody listens to you, you lose credibility. So we can't get angry about things that we cannot control. Go ahead, Jared.
1: Yeah, continuing in verse 9 says, For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. That first part um, That first part says, for evildoers will be cut off. God says in Romans 12, it says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, and I will repay. Nobody gets away with anything. Even Even if wicked people in our days or evil people in our days are doing things that are clearly against the word of God and we feel like, man, they should get what they deserve, we can rest knowing that God is a just God and he will exact what is just one day. We're all gonna give account for our lives before the Father and before Jesus. And I'm gonna give account for everything I've said and everything I've done on the earth. And other people are gonna give account for what they do. I'm not accountable for what they do, but they aren't accountable for what I do. We're each gonna stand before God for ourselves and give an account. Like in Hebrews four, verse 13, it says that everything that every person everything that we've done will be laid bare before him to, which we mu- to whom we must give an account. Now, because, just because the wicked or the evil are going to get what's coming for them, it doesn't mean that we want them to get what they deserve. Because the truth of the matter is if, we got, if I got what I deserved, then I would be going to hell. If, if any of us got what we deserved, we would be going to hell. But it's God's grace that provided a way for us, God's mercy, that provided a way for us to walk in relationship with God. And so we need to be praying for those people, praying for the people who may be walking in wickedness right now. And Because ultimately we do not want to see their souls go to hell. You know, Second Peter 3 verse nine, it says that God's not slow in keeping his promise of returning, but he's patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to everlasting life. And that that's the heart that I pray is in me and I, I would pray is in all of us. That we don't want to see anyone perish. But everyone to come to repentance and a saving knowledge of Jesus.
0: It says in verse 11, but the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Now that is, that's comfort because many times when you think of meek, you think of weak, but meek and weak are not the same thing. Meek is strength under control. And it says the meek shall inherit the earth. So just because you might be meek doesn't mean you're weak. You can be strong and meek. And it says, we shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. So God is going to give us peace in the middle of this um, crisis, this transition that we're in right now. And we can be strong and we can still, in our strength, we can be kind, we can be meek, and uh, we don't have to be boisterous or loud to be strong.
1: Go ahead. Verse 12, continuing on, it says, the wicked plots against the just and gnashes his teeth at him. The Lord laughs at him for he sees that his day is coming. We could see like, I could see like almost like a picture of like maybe like a smaller child and maybe they're frustrated at something you're doing or maybe like a younger brother, younger sister frustrated that maybe you won't give them a remote, milk and gnashing their teeth, they're gnashing their teeth at you. And then they start running for you. And then I just see like the older brother stick out their hand on his head. You know, and the little little brother's swinging. Little little sibling is swinging trying to get him. And the older brother's just laughing because he can't touch him. That's kind of how I feel like the Lord is in this verse.
0: Probably because it happened to you when you were a little kid with four older brothers,
1: right? <sighs> yeah, we won't talk about that. But <laughs> we, uh, But God, God laughs. He laughs at the wicked, that the schemes that they try to conjure up against him and against his anointed people, he, the Lord's literally laughing at them. Like, you see what they're trying to do? Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. You know, like the Lord's not concerned about it because he's in control and he is on the throne. He's on the throne.
0: It says in verse 14, the wicked have drawn their sword and they've bent their bow and they've they, to cast down the poor and needy, to slay those who are of upright conduct. And their sword shall enter their own heart and their bow shall be broken. In a... So what he's, what he's saying is uh, consistent with scripture that if you dig a hole, you're gonna fall in it. If you throw a stone, if you roll a stone, you're gonna get run over by it. And the wicked, when they, when they plot against the righteous, when when they plot and have schemes and, and they say, oh, we're going to trap him here. We're going to do this. And God just says, Hey, um, they shoot an arrow. It's going to go into themselves. They, they, they bend their bow and they try to hurt the righteous. God says, it's going to end up hurting themselves. And, uh, we, we don't wish any evil on anyone, but what The point of this is, is that you don't need to fret because of someone making threats against you or someone scheming. You don't need to be afraid because God will protect you.
1: That's good. Yeah, we don't need to be afraid. But verse 16 kind of alludes to what we've already said in the beginning. It says, a little that the righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. The little that we have, even right now, Jesus, it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, that he made him to be no sin, or he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness righteousness of God. So we are the righteousness of God. So the little that the righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. So the little that we have right now is better than the riches of the wicked. God's not asking you what you don't have. He's not wishing that you had something more. He's asking you if you will give him what you have right now. So what, what do we have right now? What, what can we do right now? The Lord is asking for that from us. Don't focus on what you don't have, but focus on what you do have and how you can use it to further the kingdom of God, even in this season. In verse 18 going on says, the Lord knows the days of the upright and their inheritance shall be forever. If this is just, in this season, we gotta stay heaven focused. Like our inheritance shall be forever. We, we win at the end of the story. Amen. We read the book of Revelation, we win. If we put our trust in Jesus, we make him the Lord of our life, confess him and live before him all the days of our lives. We win, we're going to heaven and we're on our way to heaven.
0: And in verse 19, it says, they shall not be ashamed in evil time. And in the days of famine, they shall be satisfied. Today, the quarantine, COVID-19, it's caused a worldwide shortage of things. I mean, they're talking about a meat shortage. Now I had a big hamburger last night, so there wasn't a meat shortage at our house. We have venison and stuff. But There is a worldwide meat shortage, or at least in America, that's what they're talking about anyway. I don't know if it's true. That's what they're saying. But it says, in the days of famine, quarantine has caused the famine. It's caused a lot of businesses, a lot of of people, a lot of heartache and a lot of harm, and there's a lot of people hurting. It's a famine what's going on right now. But he says, in the days of famine, they shall be satisfied. That's a promise from God for us, that we can be satisfied in the middle of a famine. We shall, they'll not be ashamed in evil times. We'll, we're not gonna be put to shame. God is not gonna let his kids be put to shame. And it says he will provide for us in the middle of a famine. You know, in Genesis 26, Isaac, um, Isaac was, had a family and he had, a, he had his whole family. And in the 26th chapter of Genesis, it says there was a famine that arose in the land even after the great famine. There was a famine. It was not good. Crops weren't growing, things weren't happening. It was bad. It was a lot like quarantine stuff, okay? They had a bad situation going on. And he was gonna go to another country and God said no. The Lord told him to stay in the city called Gerar. So he stayed there. And he said, stay there and sow and live. So Isaac, it says that he sowed, he, he planted in the middle of a famine. And in the same year, he reaped a hundredfold. He planted in the middle of famine. When everybody else is hoarding everything, when everybody's buying a whole cart full of toilet paper, right? When everybody's hoarding everything, he says he gave it away. He sowed. He put it in the ground. He trusted God. He obeyed God. And he became, it says later on in that chapter, he became very prosperous, so prosperous that the Philistines of the area began to be envious of him, and they plotted against him because he was so, so blessed. See, he reaped a hundredfold. And I would say to you, to all of us, that when in the middle of all this, don't grab all you can and can all you get. Don't do that. Stay faithful to God. Keep honoring God with the first fruits of all your increase. Keep keep ahead and and giving to what God has. Because you know, we as a church are still giving to, giving to all the missionaries and all the works all over the world and here in Grand Rapids, all over West Michigan. We're, we're, we're given to help ministries. And I would say, and, and we're doing great. I mean, you have been so faithful. You as the people of God have been so faithful. We're so thankful for your faithfulness to the Lord and your tithes and offerings, because you know what? We're blessed. We're blessed in the middle of a famine. And I would just say, you can go ahead and, and give in the ways that are gonna be on your screen, go ahead and, and give an offering to the Lord. Because if we give in the middle of famine, and if we give as God has told us to, as God has commanded us to, as we give, you know, God is faithful, if he caused Isaac, to prosper in the middle of a famine, he can cause us to prosper in the middle of a famine. That's just so encouraging to me. Now, verse 20, go ahead, Jared. Yeah,
1: so verse 20 through 22, kind of reinstate, they kind of go over again this idea that the Lord is just and that he will repay the wicked and... But those who follow the Lord, there is a blessing that's in store for them. So that's kind of what verse 20 through 22 kind of sums up. And then picking up in verse 23, it says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Verse 24, Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. The Lord is directing our steps, and the Lord wants to order our steps. He can order your steps. And I I would encourage us to remember that as we go throughout our days this week in the quarantine. Say, Lord, thank you, Father, that even in this season, my steps are ordered by you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that I am your sheep. I hear your voice clearly and the voice of a stranger I never follow. Thank you, Lord, that I trust in you with all my heart. I lean not on my own understanding. In all my ways, I submit to you and you make my path straight. Thank you, Father, that you lead me to the right person at the right time and give me the right words to say. Because your steps are ordered by the Lord. Your steps can be ordered by the Lord. So let's remember that as we go throughout this week.
0: The 25th verse. I've been young and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. That is so encouraging. I mean, every this has been one of my favorite verses for so many years, even before I had gray hair, I loved this verse. I've been young and now I'm old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. God is faithful. He will not leave you hanging. He'll not drop you on your head. You can trust him and that God is faithful. Go
1: ahead. So good. The Lord is faithful and he's gonna take care of us. That reminds me of just like in Matthew, Matthew six where Jesus says that he takes care of the sparrows in the field and the lilies, he dresses them in splendor and they're here today and gone tomorrow. But Jesus says, how much more will he take care of those who trust in him? How much more will he take care of those who are made in his image? We can rest that God is, God is with us and God is for us. We're skipping down now to verse uh, 39 and verse 40. Um, but it says, uh, verse 39 starts off, it says, but the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. Because they trust in him. Salvation, the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. There's only only one way that we get saved. There's only one way to salvation. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through Jesus. It's only by and through him. It's only through the avenue of, of Jesus. And so my question today is, have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? Do you know what that means? Have you been saved from your sin? Because it says in Romans 3, it says that everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We've all sinned. We've all missed the mark. In Romans 6, it says that the wages of sin is death. That the the payment for our sin is eternal separation from God in hell. That's what we deserve. That's what we deserve. But God sent his only son to die on the cross and pay that payment of sin for us so that we could live in relationship with him and so that we could enter into a covenant relationship with God and one day enter into heaven. And so if that's you, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you just to look at your life and say, man, am I living for the Lord? Have I confessed Jesus as my, the Lord of my life? As I, have I made sure that he is the master of my life? And if you're sitting there and you're saying, man, I haven't, do that, I haven't done that, but I would like to. I would love for you to join me in a prayer. Join me in a prayer. And just, there's nothing special about the prayer. It's just an avenue where we can join together and agree and say that Jesus is the Lord of my life and make him the king of our hearts. So would you join me and repeat after me as I pray this prayer, say, Jesus, I love you. I thank you for dying on the cross for me. Jesus, I am a sinner, I have done wrong. Would you forgive me? Would you make me clean? I believe that you died and rose again. Help me to live for you every day. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus name, amen.